Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. David is passionate about operating a cloud-based firm, so much so that Involta is currently the fastest growing accounting practice in Ottawa. He's maintaining the right culture as he scales and loves helping business owners become successful. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Welcome, David Donato. David Donato, it's wonderful to see you, even even if it is in 2D. We, how long ago was it when we when we last caught up? But was it? It was probably just before COVID. I think it was in January where you uh, you made a stop to Ottawa, and we really appreciated that and met our team. I remember it well. We we had a uh, a lovely Canadian meal and. Um, and I made one more stop before COVID hit, which was which was London. And then it seems uh, the world is an entirely different place since then. How has your firm in Volta sort of uh, managed the process? And I, I'm kind of interested too. Is is your clients how have they gone through through COVID as well? Because you know everybody's been able to cope differently, right? A lot of things have happened, especially in the last year and a half. The first thing is we were very, very fortunate that we were using already accounting apps like QuickBooks Online and HubDoc, and you know we were already on Carbon, and we went on Carbon in 2017. So we were already had that progressive look on things. And what COVID has done is, but one of the hardest things prior to COVID was convincing consumers <laughs> not to, you know, go to the local accountant and why you can't you just take pictures of the receipts, upload it and do everything remotely, right? Yeah, yeah. It was always a fight in every sales call to not only have those conversations about why online is better than traditional, but also getting them that change management piece of utilizing apps, right? And, and being effective around it. So your your clients are going to be sort of tech progressive, younger by nature then anyway, aren't they? Yeah. And um, what happened was when the pandemic hit, the clients that were on the edge of either going online went online, right? And the change management happened. So now all of our clients are on HubDoc, QBO, on our app stack. Yeah, we are definitely going after a younger demographic from a, an owner's perspective and same with an employee perspective. It's like, it has to be tech savvy type of modern account. And is the conversation changed a little bit? Is that, is that got a little bit easier? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. So the conversation has in the last three to six months, what I've noticed is the conversations are not about moving online. It's about what more value you help my business. So compliance is there, but I want to see my financials the 10th of the month. I want to, you know, decrease my or increase my revenue and decrease my expenses. Can you guide me and help me from a business perspective with my business? You know, we've spoken to a few people on this podcast about, you know, the, the varying effects of, you know, the last 18 months on, on the countries that they're in. we it's been a little bit mixed bag, right? Like how each how each sort of region has, has been able to handle it. Some of some of the countries that were doing really well earlier, 
are slow to get vaccinated. What's what's your feeling? When tell me your story through COVID. With Canada, I thought we did a very great job at the beginning, just to you know calm things, settle things, and the government was very supportive from a subsidy perspective. Really supported the individual plus the business. And, and, you know, I felt very supported and not scared to take opportunities because there was that financial backing if if things went array, because there's just so much unpredictability. But now what I'm noticing is the psychology around people are tired, those productivities are down, burnouts happening, client, there's always going to be so many clients, I feel, but making sure that we're not on all the time because working online, working from home, how do you detach when you're on your phone all the time, right? How do you not respond to the email? So now it's the education to our staff and to our clients and building boundaries so that we can, you know, stop the stigma of this culture of burnout because the accounting industry, it's, it's definitely centered, right? In Ottawa and, and your family, your workers, are they? How do you feel like the the emotion and and the you know mental health aspects have have held up? And and what's your experience been? Yeah, that's a great question, and I, I've actually done a lot of reflecting on this. It's been hard because I felt as a business owner, you know, not only did I have to handle the emotions from my employees but I also had to handle the emotions from my clients and that anxiety for a long period of time and stress and unknown definitely weighs on your mind that I actually detached last week and, uh, you know, took a vacation and really left my phone away from me to really, really detach and get my, you know, as business owners, we have to think big picture and it. When you're in the weeds all the time, it's not, the right way of thinking so absolutely well 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 done on sort of uh being able to do that it's it's obviously very important yeah we, we've your reflection is similar to, to some other stories that we've heard you know accountants and i'll ask you about this too but but in other countries you know that they've been the distributor of, of rescue funds or you know support funds from the government they've been Overworked in in America through PPP, in in Australia through JobKeeper and JobSeeker, and you know they, they've got clients that, depending on you know their, their various industries, right, that are that are coping not as well as some others. They're, you know businesses are going out of of business, but particularly in hospitality, and so yeah, accountants have become not only accountants, they've become psychologists, psychiatrists, welfare workers. <laughs> Is, is that is that the kind of thing that you felt too? Yeah, and I think one of the hardest things was when all the subsidies came out, they were changing all the time, especially the first three to six months, where we had to learn it, educate our clients, and then do the work, right? So it really was on top of our additional work, right? Like on top of the accounting and the taxation and all that, and... Another thing in, in regards to the Canada specific, in 2020, the tax year got extended to the end of September, where this year it didn't get extended to April. So we had a, you know, we haven't had a break. Yeah, so the never-ending tax season, right? <laughs> so when they didn't do a break this year, I was like, 
happy and sad. I'm like happy that it's going to be done and there's not going to be this target, but sad that, I mean, you're crushing, you're cramming everything into our, our deadline was April 30th where, you know, that's a hot lot of stress and we're in lockdowns and everything. So it was very difficult. And has uh, involved us sort of fared over the last 18 months, two years, you know, through the whole pandemic and growth-wise as well as people-wise? We've grown. When COVID hit, we had a lot of restaurants, a part of our, our thing. So we were having restaurants at a recurring revenue of, you know, three to $5,000 per, per client that we lost. We lost a lot of recurring revenue. Uh, we gained that back pretty quickly with just people looking for alternatives because their accountant didn't have the skill set. And then three months ago, I actually purchased a cloud accounting company that focuses on lawyers. And now I'm working very closely with Clio as an app partner in Canada. They're the practice management for lawyers and it has a pretty straightforward integration with QuickBooks Online. So we are really now niching into the law industry and really kind of specializing in that. And we're seeing tremendous amount of success and growth because, uh, you know, there's definitely a need for it. Yeah. Well, tell me a bit more about that. Why Why lawyers? Was that an obvious choice for you guys? And, and do you find that, um, you know, specializing in a vertical, in America they call it a niche, what benefits do you, do you gain from, from doing that? Prior to pandemic, you go to all these conferences and they always say go into a vertical. Well, people went into a vertical of restaurants, studio. <laughs> yeah, they didn't tell you the pandemic was coming, did they? <laughs> they you know, decimated by it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all about streamlining, automating, you know, all that. But be careful what vertical you go into. <laughs> you put all your eggs in one basket. You could be uh, in a situation where it's not good. The reason why I like lawyers a lot is the professional services, low transaction, high revenue. So when you're doing a flat fee model or fixed value price, it's a lot easier to forecast, predict, and price rather than a higher transactional like construction, property management, or restaurant type thing. How is that client based to work with that? <laughs> it gets interesting at sometimes for a few <laughs> criminal lawyers that, I mean, you, <laughs> but yeah, it was the highest revenue clients for lawyers right now are family law. So because everyone is having, you know, that's the, that's what's, uh, you know, they, they always kind of joke, but I don't know how to say it, but. People stuck together are getting divorced. Is that, that's what's happening. <laughs> and they're like, we hate the pandemic, but our businesses are booming because we have all these cases. So they're booming, and you can see that they're doubling in size by you know every every quarter type thing. It's crazy. Well, we, we can talk a bit about marketing. You're a great marketer. How do you how do you target that market and and sort of you know announce that you're specialising in their field and that that you're the offering for them. Marketing is very, I'm like embedded in marketing and I love it. And just seeing how consumers react to different messaging is really, you know, intriguing to me. And what I'm finding 
our space is very still referral based, no matter what. Based on relationships, it's based on referrals, it's those connection points, it's those high touches. If you want to scale a firm, how do you build the content that's relevant to those specific clients, right? You're doing inbound predominantly outside of referral then? Correct. How'd you go about that? Search engine optimization. So, you know, Google's the big, big component of it. So you're doing advertising as well? We're doing Google AdWords. And that's more for branding than conversion. I mean, because we're still getting a lot of clients that are not our ideal clients. Even with all the messaging, we redeveloped our website, changed the messaging. But, you know, we're looking, our clientele is 500,000, usually in revenue or higher, you know, with a monthly recurring of, let's say, 1,000 and higher. So just to make the, the model work, right, from a subscription employee perspective. But what I'm really trying to dive deeper into is social media. 68% of accounts don't even have a social media account. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh, should I? <laughs> How do you build that content to attract that and build that? Because re- that's where the generation's going. How do you build that relationship online and communicate and get your message out with a bunch of touch points while building that community, right? I can imagine you on TikTok. You'd be good on a. Actually, I went on TikTok. I did like four TikToks. One got 40,000 views. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what? I might, you know, change my career to Mr. TikTok. (laughs) Save it the influencer, accountant turned influencer. And all I did was, you know, write a tax little scenario on a piece of paper and it it blew up. So I was testing that out. Did you get, well, I won't, I won't, I think I know. Did you get any clients from it though? No, no. It doesn't I'm, matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> absolutely not. But if you ever want to collaborate on a TikTok there, Stuart, I'm, I'm down for that as well. I've never done it, but my wife and daughters sort of, you know, giggle. Now, you, there is, she showed me this, and, and it reminds me of you a bit, David. There's this young guy that sings, that uh, lip syncs. Uh, Rita, have you seen this one? Oldest, oldest songs, and somehow he's got this cougar audience, right? There's, he gets these millions of cougars. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps he's responsible for all these divorces. He's <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about, Rita? Have you said you a TikTok person, Rita? No, you're not. I'm you're a bit young for a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta tell me this guy's key name, and maybe I can uh, do, a, do a collab with him and get some cougars on my. Uh, um. <laughs> there you go. Well done on on doing that. I, <laughs> I thought the whole Trump China TikTok thing was weird. <laughs> anyway, we, we we won't go into politics. Back to you. The you've got a couple of people in marketing though in your firm. What's the strategy to sort of you know attract this vertical? I mean, we're really trying to figure it out because, again, prior to the pandemic, it was convincing people online. Now, how do you continue to have that relationship now online through your messaging? And this is the time to scale, right? We have the foundation in place now. Now we can scale. So now it's about getting clients, but getting the right clients. This model only works if you have AB type clients. If you have clients that... Don't upload documents. It doesn't work, 
right? So getting the right clients too is is what we're really trying to attract. Have you tried outbound? Have you have you sort of gone this LinkedIn sales navigator path and and sort of you know found a hundred clients, hundred potential to to target directly yet? I met with a firm three two months ago. They have a system in place where they go to all the lawyers, let's say, they add them on your your LinkedIn, and then they direct message them them for a consult, right? And start building that relationship. I didn't go through it with it yet, but it's definitely a possibility. But what I am doing on LinkedIn is I'm adding from a recruitment perspective, I'm adding accounts and bookkeepers on my on my network and then targeting them for jobs. And it's working like crazy. So we're getting the top level recruits that, I mean, are just talking to us really back to the sales thing because because it's a bit of a i won't say bugbear it's a bit of a passion of mine but um you know we we, we as as carbon went down the sort of out, outsourced outbound kind of failed miserably but but that was kind of good it, it taught us the lesson that nobody knows your client base better than you do and you know we we spend a long time getting outbound to work. Not that you've asked for it, but David, just just get on and do some trials by yourself. You're you're the best person. Nobody sees um receives actual mail anymore. So we we're sending actual physical mail to prospects and then following up with LinkedIn and, you know, email and video over email and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, like you've got this amazing, perfectly created sort of content and and vertical that that you can go after just give it a go yourself and um spend a couple of months sort of targeting lawyers and and see what works for you that's great advice because i don't think outsourcing it will know the messaging around that that message right no they'll tell you they can the only thing you're going to pay for is is finding out what doesn't work yeah i took on the social media because of that I'm like, what you're posting is so generic. It's not relating to anyone. So why am I spending thousands of dollars for this social media platform that's not even working? Like, what is it doing? Just to check the box. But I get to give you guys kudos. I mean, the content that you guys give the audience is like, it's powerful. Thanks, David. Well, thank Rita. Rita's Rita's part of our our content team and Jess and Lockie and... And others in, you know, we, we still to this day, you know, write 90% of the stuff ourselves. <laughs> I don't want to give away the super secret plan, but, um, you know, podcasts like this are great for generating content. And, you know, your insight into the industry is, is the one that we rely on most, right? Like you guys are, are at the front line and, um, well, all we're doing is, is trying to help you, you know, take vacation and, and run better businesses so you can help your clients. Well, and, you know, when you in your last meeting there, we talked about that community and like that referral system and, you know, that type of, I think you're nailing it with, with that. I think if you guys with us can build that sense of community and build that network of people, I mean, that's where the power is. I, I personally think it takes all the content and puts it all in one spot. And now it's community leaders. And that culture of all in the same space. 
tell me a bit of your story as well. How did, how did sort of Involza come about? And then you're a very smart guy. You've got an MBA, have, you know, been involved in a couple of different things. To tell me the story of, of what you, uh, of how you've got here to this point. Went to school in the States on a soccer scholarship, full soccer scholarship. Love the States. My wife's from the States. And when I came back home, I was working as a consultant. Freaking hated my life. Like check in, check out, making a shit ton of money, but it absolutely sucked. And my dad owned a small tax office, but was the traditional accountant. And I looked at him and go, dad, why are you not on... G suites. <laughs> why aren't you, <laughs> you know, why are you so paper based? And he goes to me, Dave, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. Who the hell are you? First of all, get out of my office. <laughs> yeah, you got this MBA that I paid. I think you know everything. <laughs> yeah, you know everything. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to kind of prove you wrong a little bit and modernize the shit out of my, my company. I started my company and we went online day one. Still on desktop versions, but really QuickBooks Online was shit at that time, 2014, 2013. I incorporated 2012, but I really started the business in 2014. So Zero had been around, that was 2006, so sort of eight years by then. But your, your sort of QBO really took a long time to, to sort of get going, didn't they? They had, a, they had a couple of old products that they merged together, and it was pretty crap for, a little, for quite a long while. And to be honest with you, I'm very, in hindsight, I'm very lucky I went on the QuickBooks bandwagon because every new client in Canada is QuickBooks. They're dominating. Yeah, they're getting everyone on the platform. And to change a client from QuickBooks to zero and specialize, number one, I recommend any listener pick one platform or pick QuickBooks online, number one. Do not, I try to do both of them. Two different training processes. Apps don't work for one or the other. It was a complete shit show, right? Pick one. Now, what I'm hearing is people that were on zero are now starting to have to take on QBO clients because all the clients are coming are QuickBooks Online. You can't mess with Intuit in North America with all the money they have, right? And the zero cons and the zero road shows didn't happen for a year and a half during the pandemic. So the publicity around zero was nil to nothing, right? 2014 should have been on zero. Happy I went to the QuickBooks line. And now the competitive advantage is, I think, using the QuickBooks stack. And, and the product is, has come so far. It's, it's pretty solid now, isn't it? You know, the amount of development that's happening is incredible. and the next big step. So bookkeeping is getting automated, right? It's not affecting big accounting companies right now because a lot of them don't do bookkeeping. It'll start really affecting them when tax gets automated. Well, now in Canada, ProTax is developing at a high level and integrates, it's an Intuit software. So now you click a button from your balance sheet and income statement and goes right to pro-tax and the tax return is done in half the time. So now I can add so much more value to any big accounting company because the system's in place. And now you're talking the flexibility, you're talking the margins, you're talking value add that we can start doing 
tax planning sessions rather than just do the compliance of things. And that's what software does, right? Software frees up your time so you can have those conversations. And those conversations are what every client needs, right? They don't, all my clients, 80, 90% of my clients are technicians. They know what they know. They know their industry. They know what to do. From a business perspective, they have a very difficult time. They have a lot of anxiety around numbers, about CRA, about filing, you know, compliance perspective. Forget about analyzing your cash flow or forecasting or things that every business owner should be aware of. So they don't have time to do that. They need someone and they need a culture to help them. The culture can't just be filing your tax returns at the last day of the month or the last day of the deadline and not providing them advice. And the advice that you provide them, if it's six months after the year end, what kind of advice are you giving them? How do you give them advice? Right? You're like, if you're talking about January the following year, that's you know 15 months before. When you went into, you started your own thing. What, what did your dad say as it sort of started to pick up momentum? And now he works for me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and now he's like, well, "How about this app? How about this? Let's do this." <laughs> you know, changing him though, it was uh, if I could change him, I could change anyone. So yeah, we started, we started with with taxes, but I really realized the relationships. If I can get the bookkeeping, I own the data, I own the conversations. And then I own the customer journey. So that's why I really started the bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah. Because by the time it gets to you, if you're just doing taxes, it's all wrong anyway. It's all wrong anyways. You're fixing everything. It's reactive. It doesn't work. Well, there's no no more complex tax system than the US. So, the, you know, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, you can. it's much easier to sort of offer that full suite of services. Yeah. And other than Quebec, Canada... You know, you can pretty much do a tax return across Canada and it's some minor U.S. I'm <laughs> happy I'm not there because every state is different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, different ballgame. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how many staff now and what's sort of the outlook for the next next couple of years as, as hopefully the, the world returns to some normality? Yeah, so we're at 40 staff now. So we're we're, we're growing I'm looking for acquisitions. I want to grow with acquisitions and grow organically. What the next step is, is really, I kind of hate when people say advisory service too, because I think it's such a buzzword. Business owners need advice and guidance. However you give that, is it from a business perspective? Is it from a human resource perspective? Is it from asking a lawyer or referral connection piece? Is it from an insurance piece? We're the center of that relationship. I think now the next step is building that community. Who is in the community where you can now enhance the customer journey and take the customer journey to the next step? You said you did an acquisition. How how did that go? (laughs) They were on HubDoc, QBO, WagePoint, all the apps that we use. So if you look at a real estate transaction, I was looking for a neighborhood within a house within a you know a house type thing right i would only do it that way if they were on a different platform changing the client from doing something is the hardest thing to do so i would not buy a traditional firm because 
you'd have to change the employees. You have to change the clients. You probably would lose 50% of the clients. And then I would not do it if, you know, the platforms didn't line up. And then even when the platforms lined up, you got to be really on to make sure that quality is there. You know, we bought a one, a one woman show and she's been doing it for 15 years. So, you know, the quality was there and the app stacks were there and there's, you know, no employees. So it was, it, it was an easy change. But yeah, I would definitely, if you're looking to grow, I would be very careful buying a traditional firm from a content perspective. Just the change management's enormous, right? And clients and employees, I mean, so we've turned over a lot of our staff in the last year and a half because now we're relating on performance rather than time in a seat, right? I read the Netflix book. I don't know if you guys have read that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's all about performance, right? Here's your deliverables. I don't care when you get it done, how you get it done. These are the timelines. Let's be productive. Let's be a sports team and let's outperform the you know our competition and deliver that service to the clients. Yeah, that that distinction between family and sports team is is quite significant as a culture, isn't it? I remove family from any conversations because it has to be about performance. I want to be around the best people. I want to hire the best people and I want to grow, right? I don't want to have a person that just because they've been here for X amount of years and are underperforming. Well, guess what? My high performers are going to leave because they're compensating for the other person. Yeah. The bar is at the lowest yeah. level, right? The lowest common denominator. What about personally? The um, You're able to do a little bit of travel at the moment. And I mean, you can work, obviously you can work from anywhere. Is Ottawa still home? And what are the plans? So um, we had a pandemic baby. So my first little boy. Congratulations. Yeah, ten, he's uh, turning 11 months. So right in the heart of, you know, the pandemic, we were uh, <laughs> labor with a mask on and everything. It was quite a shit show. And yeah, just watching him grow and being at home to, you know, being an entrepreneur and being able to see and have a family life too and being able to have lunch and do all the things is probably the best thing that could ever happen, right? 10 years ago, you would have to have locations all over Canada to grow. You know, if you're an ambitious entrepreneur, now all those roadblocks are eliminated. You need a computer. We have eliminated all of our office space. So now it's, you know, fully online. Any plans to sort of hire outside of Canada or, you know, perhaps grow internationally or start some more businesses or you you loving what you're doing at the moment? I'm not there yet where I want to think about another venture. I'm at the point where now, you know, I always, when I started my business, think big, start small, scale fast. Now, from a Canada perspective, like 40 people is a decimal place from an accounting industry perspective. Like, I really think the big four are going to have a very difficult time moving this way. It's just they're so big, right? There's so many policies and procedures. And right now you have to be nimble to adapt to all the change, right? So I feel like we're in a perfect position to explode or any progressive accounting company. I mean, there's so much business for everyone, but now's the time to really you know, put the gas on the pedal and, and scale. 
And for me, scaling in Canada, I mean, from a tax perspective, there's still a, a major compliance of going to different countries and knowing their tax codes and knowing all that, forget about the processes. So right now it's just Canada. What are you sort of aiming at by by this time next year? You think you'd be sort of 45 or 60, 70? <laughs> I want to double. I mean, that's the ambitious goal is, is 80. Now that we have the structure in place, I could see it doubling. Like I never saw it before a year ago or a year and a half ago. Now I can see it and could taste it. But now it's just making sure that things are in place so that when you double, I mean, now you're talking about a pretty big employee overhead and a bunch of costs. So you just want to make sure you do it strategically. And cold culture, right? I mean, that's that's the hardest thing to um, talk about that a bit. You know, you're fully remote. You know, a lot of staff turn over to, to sort of get it right. How do you ensure that your, you know, culture is maintained through through fast growth? We have an incredible people talent manager that helps with it. I'm finding building an online culture the hardest thing because you really have to be intentional about the communication around building that team. When you're in an office or whatever, it's that natural, hey, let's go for a coffee, let's go for a drink, let's go, let's let's build that. How what did you do last? last night or this week how are your kids when you're online it's how do you do it slack is not the answer right like all these slack channels and getting bombarded is not the answer right so we're doing like you know our social hours you know i did a town hall on tuesday we're doing education every you know power hour every you know every month like building that now culture where people are involved in a part of something online i think no one has figured it out because i'm doing a lot of content reading on it and whoever can figure it out i think will be at a huge advantage and scale fast are you planning sort of any in uh, you know pandemic so in-person kind of events at all to sort of cement that you know those relationships Last year we did, I flew everyone to Ottawa and we did a two day kind of getaway. And that was amazing. I don't think there'll be travel in Canada this year. And I don't know if people will do that, but I think you, it's a must. I mean, I, I think once a year is not enough, maybe six months where you physically have to be with the person. I mean, and have that type of, but that's the icing on the cake. What other touch, like with your clients, what other touch points are you doing with your employees on an ongoing basis to build that culture? And then the, the getaway is just like bringing everything together, right? People can't just rely on that. Yeah. Can't fix everything in two days, right? It has to be a combination of everything. What's the situation in Canada with, with firms, you know, on, online firms like yours? I mean, Chad at LiveCA was sort of a, groundbreaker in in this kind of operation is 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 this the status quo now is there lots of firms popping up like yours what's the you mentioned you know recruitment or retention is hard because people are recruiting your great employees what's the competition situation competition is live ca is definitely at the top 
from their, you know, they started, they're definitely very, very progressive. There's definitely Connect CPA, who's a Toronto base that that is up there as well. And then there's, you know, probably us and, you know, maybe another one or two companies in Canada. And from a growth perspective, I think there's a lot of companies less than five staff, let's say that are just trying to figure it out, but haven't scaled to 10, 15, 20. I feel like once you get over the 10, 10 to 40 is like a hurdle that you got to figure out. And then probably 40 to 80, there's another hurdle, but there's a lot of smaller one off shops. But the thing is too, a lot of them don't have the time to invest in all of this stuff, like getting on carbon, getting onto QBO, training your staff, training your client. They don't have the time because they're dealing with subsidies. They're dealing with tax, (laughs) making money. Right. And I think what needs to happen People need to stop looking at their profit loss statement in order to change. This is happening. It's happening, right? How fast is it going to happen? That's whoever to dictate that. But yes, you're making money today, but you're going to lose your top talent. I, I recruited one of our best employees. And the reason why I recruited her, her company wanted her to come in and she didn't want to travel an hour there and an hour back. So I mean, companies need to change and you can't just look at the profit and loss statement. What's going to change is the younger generation is not going to work in a paper-based traditional way. They want the carbons. They want the uh, automation. They want, they don't want to do task level administration. We have to automate that. Checking out that new app that you guys are working with. uh, Oh, Lissio? Yeah. Yeah, those guys have, have done a good job, and Chris was an ex CPA, <laughs> so he, he he knows he knows the trials and tribulations, right? Just so one of the other themes that that we hear a lot about is what is the best bit about being an accountant, David? When I started my business, I love entrepreneurship. I love helping business owners. If you can help business owners be successful, you're helping the economy. You're helping small businesses. You're helping GDP. You're helping everything, right? So in my mind, the best thing about being an accountant is you're the center of the relationship and you get to dictate the future or help dictate the future success of your clients. It's those relationships, isn't it? Seeing seeing clients and now friends become successful. And being, you know, a part of them, like it's, you know, being a part of that relationship and helping them be successful is very gratifying. But I think there has to be a balance, right? Because you're so close with the relationship where the boundaries happen. And that's where the burnout and all that stuff happen because we don't detach. So I think there has to be that balance too. Yeah. Drawing those boundaries and working out what's, you know, reasonable for you and your firm and your family. (laughs) And and communicating those, right? But guess what? When you're doing everything in real time, those conversations start to, you know, now it's just building the relationship. It's not talking about, I need this document or, you know, chasing clients for stuff, right? There's still definitely stuff that needs to be sorted out from a technology perspective to help that. But we're getting there. I mean, Elon Musk is uh, creating self-staining cars. I mean, we've got to figure out how to, automate bank feeds so that we get banks or 
You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> and he's sending them to Mars. Maybe he can send some bank statements to Mars. <laughs> what, um, is, have I forgotten anything? Is there anything else you'd like to chat about? No, and I think the one thing that I do think from an accounting perspective that is going to change when we talk about Elon Musk a little bit, he's not hiring engineers. He's hiring effective individuals. And I think how we're positioning our firm too is I'm not looking at degrees, this, that, how many years of whatever. I'm looking at how effective is this person to produce the work. And that's where the culture shift has to happen. Couldn't agree more. Hey, David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, spending some of your week with us. And, uh, you know, congratulations on your success so far. We, we love working with you and everybody at Involta. And uh, if, you know, it goes without saying, if there's anything that we can ever do to, to help uh, you and your firm, we're, we're always here and, and would love to do so. Love chatting with you guys. Love Carbon and uh, love all the updates you've guys done in the last three, four years. I mean, you guys really get it. And uh, I really appreciate it because uh, we definitely can run our business without it. So I appreciate that. Thanks for being with us, Doug. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.